Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Overlap, the non-Gary Neville podcast, which, <laughs> by the way, Riyadh and, <laughs> and I found out about this. Uh, I guess we should probably address it off the bat now I said it. Um, yes, we have accepted a sponsorship with Sky Sports, <laughs> and Gary Neville is our correspondent. Yeah, he's our, our transfer correspondent. correspondent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our, his, our, his first project was actually to interview Harry Kane, which is why we're uh, <laughs> recording the day that that came out give you some give you guys some uh some back-end information but no welcome to the uh now the second related o- the overlap soccer podcast slash video social media organization um in the world conglomerate Conglom- conglomerate of two people yeah exactly um, one, one step one step closer <laughs> well i was telling you on this like now we're guaranteed to get more hits because of this so thank you actually gary neville for agreeing to become a correspondent um cost us a lot of money obviously um but yeah that seo was not cheap dude (laughs) we'll pay pay you in ethereum if if you accept that as a form of payment (laughs) uh but yeah we haven't recorded in a little bit talking about the premier league so figured with the final day coming up and uh some interesting results earlier this week it feels like like four days ago or like a week ago that this happened but it was really just like two days ago um plus all the crap that happened in spain this week um we got a lot that we missed out on but rian i've been busy you've been a little less busy which is very nice i'm slightly jealous but what's what has been going on in your week over the last four days i feel like i've been in a cocoon (laughs) i've been um I've been being a good younger brother and <laughs> looking after my sister's apartment while she is 13 hours away on a beach in Hawaii lounging. And and I think also it also seems like she's kind of busy while she's there, too, in terms of like just activities during the day, too. So now I'm, uh, I'm holding it down here for her with her uh, two cats and um, her much, much nicer apartment than mine so. <laughs> which is not that far it's, away it's from been kind of idea so he can move if he wants yeah 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 i mean i can't afford this but <laughs> but yeah i could move to outside the building <laughs> you could i think if you went to target and got like one of those stools that we stepped on as kids to reach the cookie jar that'd be that'd be a good <laughs> landing spot i think you'd be okay with that oh i'm a little i'm just a little bit jealous of her being gone for literally two weeks um it's fine yeah. not bitter <laughs> even though i just started a new job and it's super busy but i love it just super busy but did you at least get a chance to watch the chelsea lester game actually that's a stupid question what part <laughs> of the chelsea lester game was your favorite was it the fight was it rudiger's goal or was it the fact that you don't have to worry about not making the top four um well well I, i'm gonna say that the last one is can't say you can't <laughs> not worry about it but right, obviously fine. that obviously the the result made things calmer i, I think just but a tad. no no easily my favorite moment of this match which is which led to me tweeting antonio rudiger is the by far the funniest chelsea player i've ever watched was a moment in the second half it must have been like middle of the second half after chelsea had gone one nil up um after rudiger's goal he makes this like he dribbles like through into the midfield and just keeps uh carrying the ball with him and 
at one point there's a lesser player about to come and pressure him and so he decides to do a roulette and basically the ball like cannons off his back foot <laughs> when he does the roulette and um and somehow still kind of gets to it and recovers the ball against another lesser city challenge and after he recovers it he starts bringing the ball backwards and at the end of this play he basically just flops and gets a foul call so that was that was my favorite moment of the game because the dive was as you would expect from um from Antonio Rudiger it was (laughs) theatrical to, to put it nicely that's putting it mildly yeah that's <laughs> definitely putting it mildly well you had a good week i'm glad you had a good week but we're headed into probably the most stressful day for at least four teams in the prem i would say at least four teams liverpool definitely among them final day wrapping up just a horrendously long season it's a season that I think Rihanna and I have said this before. We just kind of wanted to end at some point. Like we're kind of just done. We want to just kind of just toss the season in the trash <laughs> because not that it's meaningless, <laughs> but the fact that it's just been dragged on and so busy and painful to watch some of the football at times, just hit the reset button after the Euros, after the Copa America, and we can get back to footballing activities yeah. in 2021, 2022. I, I will say that, the last, let's say, two weeks, maybe two and a half weeks, have been the most exciting parts of the season by far. I, I know you feel like you could say that almost every year, every year, right? But no, like actually, the most entertaining games and I think situations, um, but mostly the most entertaining games I feel like from this season have been within the last two weeks. So um it's been better than anything i feel like we than most things that we've seen throughout the season but in the least they're they're ending with a bang here and not not just in england obviously but um across europe like the the last two weeks i think have have been great in terms i of can i can confidently tell you that i had an ulcer from the amount of stress in the last 20 <laughs> minutes of the la liga games this past weekend um but yeah on top of that too if you look at what's happening with Juventus in Syria, right? May or may not make the Champions League still. Probably in all likelihood, very well may not. It's it's a yeah, decent chance. So totally up in the air. Yep. And then league up between Lille and PSG on the last day this Sunday will determine who wins it. And then of course in the Premier League, well, I should say of course in La Liga, Atletico and Real Madrid down to the last two as to who will take the crown depending on will now be Saturday's games. Fun fact, I'm taking my first flight this weekend in over a year, and I planned it for Saturday, thinking that La Liga would keep <laughs> Sunday as the games, and they switched up the schedule on me, and they're now playing almost all the games on Saturday. They just didn't want to compete with the Premier League, obviously. <laughs> honestly, honestly, that's probably fair. Like, <laughs> like realistically, <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. They all would have been at the same time. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't hate them for that. I'm just bitter that I may not be able to watch all of the La Liga games. But anyway, Rian, let's start with going into the top four in England, right? City have won the league. Woohoo, big surprise. <laughs> Outside of that, it's still kind of up in the air who's going to be top four, right? You have United on 71. I think that's pretty set in stone. In fact, yeah, it is set in stone. Second. Obviously. 
where it gets more interesting now is between Chelsea, Liverpool, and Leicester. Chelsea on 67, Liverpool on 66, and Leicester on 66. Thankfully, they've all played the same number of games. Otherwise, the math would just get wonky. But going into the last day of the season, Leicester probably have the most difficult fixture, obviously playing Tottenham this upcoming Sunday. Liverpool, on the other hand, because of goal difference, barely are ahead of Leicester by 24 goal difference to 20. Do you think we're in a situation where this top four of Chelsea Liverpool stays the same? Or do you think that Leicester, A, could beat Spurs, B, Liverpool, I I don't want to go the stretch of Liverpool would lose against Crystal Palace, but that is exactly the type of team that they would lose against. (laughs) And then Roy Hodgson's final game as well. Yeah. So let's start there. Thoughts on, on Leicester and Liverpool. Thoughts on, so I I think from the Leicester point of view, look, I would be willing to bet any amount of money that they will not lose the game to Tottenham. And that has a bit more to do with the absolute dumpster fire, that emotional dumpster fire and actual dumpster fire on the field as well that Tottenham are at the moment. Right? I mean, I, <laughs> I wondered if they were drunk during the game against Aston Villa yesterday. Like, I mean, I don't know. Were they partying with Leicester for the, for the FA Cup? Yes, win? definitively, I, I don't know. yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't think... Um, I can't see how Leicester loses that game. I mean, that being said, like a, a draw obviously would be a great result for either Chelsea or Liverpool. Um, if Leicester were to draw, I should say. The Liverpool side, yeah. Th- this has been basically a miracle that they are in this position right now, considering what the job looked like, what the challenge to get into the top four looked like in the middle of March, right? Um, to be able to somehow overcome losing their f- what, five center backs during this season, they're genuinely starting one center back who quite likely will never play another minute for <laughs> never play another significant minute for this club like after this season. Um, and another center back who's still so young and Reese Williams, who, who's not even 21 yet. And, and both of them have looked at times very, very shaky. And uh, I think they've looked shaky even in these last few games for, for Liverpool. But what's changed is that Liverpool are getting the goals and getting the first goal is the big thing. I, I think has been a huge change in these last couple of weeks. And um, I know that maybe we can credit that, a lot to the team that they are playing, of course. Um, But like you said, they've lost and dropped points in these exact same type of games from um, the rest of the season, from the earlier parts of the season. So it's a lot of credit to them. And once again, Jurgen Klopp, who I think, as I said, back in the winter, I think he's the best man manager in the world. Just, just the best actual management of like people, and the uh, intangible stuff uh, that almost any other coach in the world probably 
probably every coach in the world bar maybe Pep would have been probably where Tottenham are right now at best with with these injuries so a huge credit to them and if they win on Sunday they're they're in that's all that that's all that matters so um I think Chelsea has a tough game against Villa but again should be huge favorites for it but so it it feels like Leicester are are possibly going to do it again which is just sad but yeah yeah I mean I mean that's that's a pretty fair analysis of what's going on I think just based on the fact that I feel as though just taking a look at the Leicester side of things because Liverpool have it's two different narratives Liverpool have done the unthinkable in some ways in being able to even be in this conversation of top four, but at the same time, their standard should always be top four. And so it's a really weird dichotomy. Whereas Leicester, I think if, if you kind of take a look at the games that they've especially dropped points in this season, right. To Arsenal close to the beginning of the year, obviously the hammered Sheffield and, and teams like that, but games like, the, the Arsenal game or drawing Wolves at the close to the beginning of the year, losing to Leeds. Those are games that they probably will look back and think, could we have gotten a little more? Could we have at least yeah. gotten a point? That's where it kind of comes back to bite you right now. And it's obviously partially due to injury and partially due to the players that they had available, but it's almost a shame that Leicester are, it's not entirely in their control. Yeah, I mean, you, you don't even have to go that far back in the season, honestly, to look at the to find, you know, disappointing results from for their standards. They drew one one with Southampton at the end of at the end of April, right? Yeah. Well, Southampton were on this run where they where they, they had only won like one game in their last ten games. Yeah. Um, and then the Newcastle loss too, losing four two to Newcastle just a couple weeks ago. That's like those two results ultimately i think have doomed them and and you'd even say i mean even at the end of the chelsea game jose perez has a glorious chance to steal a point from Stamford bridge and and just shoots it over the bar over the goal like it's it's they haven't been able to come up with the you know crucial moments in the league at least because because you know we saw in the fa cup like a game that was totally even for the most part uh, and then um Yuri Tillemans came up in a very clutch moment for that game but they haven't been able to do that um in the Premier League over the last couple months honest and over the last month or two or month and a half I guess I should say yeah I, I think that's super fair well taking a step back from Leicester and Liverpool Rian let's let's talk about your beloved Blues for a second obviously beating Leicester on Tuesday Massive, massive results, especially after the FA Cup loss. Where is your head at with Chelsea? They're, they have a, okay, a somewhat complicated fixture against Villa, but Villa have only won, I believe, two out of the last five or six games. Their run of form, especially since Jack Grealish has been in and out of the team, has been slightly below average, like mediocre, yeah. probably. Um, it should be at least a point for Chelsea, which probably isn't enough to make them feel comfortable, but 
in reality, they should get three points. That's that's my opinion. Unless, unless the unthinkable happens. <laughs> um, I, I think it is a tricky game, obviously. And we know that Villa's form hasn't been great. Um, this basically for the last two months or so. But a lot of that has to do with the fact that Jack Grealish has been injured for the most part and he's just getting back up to speed uh what was it last week I think was his first game back and then he played I think like 70 minutes against Tottenham and you know he doesn't look quite back to what to where he was like pre-injury but he's always going to be a very very dangerous dangerous option um coming out of defense and and I, I think that from a Chelsea point of view they they played wonderfully against Leicester, um, at least on Tuesday. And I think there's no reason that they shouldn't have the confidence to go and finish this off because they've been playing great. Uh, I mean, they had the two disappointing results last week, last week, obviously the Arsenal loss and then losing the FA Cup. But so overall, the play has been has been good. And and what will really screw them maybe potentially is if they're not able to finish the chances as we saw again in the Leicester game like one mistake and he had scored and then the game was like tense <laughs> so so it was like um it was it was not it was not indicative of how the rest of that game went especially the first half um where you know team over is I, I don't know who has it. I need to find who has you know do you know how many times it. he has been caught offside this season I don't know how many, but I think, but I think he's I can tell leading. you <laughs> he is, he is leading that stat with 45 offside calls this season. Like yeah. unreal. And so it part uh, of that is like, it has to be, has to be corrected from, from him or from the right. coaching staff as well. Like some of it's like, he should just be getting back on side sometimes or, or he, he's got to figure out how to, I think, make his runs a bit more um, cleverly, if that's, if that's the right way. Run the it, L. But, run the yeah. L. Do the, do the thing that strikers <laughs> exactly. do. Run along exactly. the line first. Do that. Right. <laughs> but, Elias, one, one last thing before we um, move on to our, our team of the year, our Premier League team of the year picks. From the Leicester side, again, winning the FA Cup for the first time in their club's history – being in the top four for 71 of the last 75 match days, which includes last season, um, and still missing out on top four. I, I know that it looks like a collapse, and, and it is, honestly. But um, from their point of view, you know, fifth place at an FA Cup, how should we view this season for them? I, I, context matters a lot, but how, how should we view this season for them if they do miss out on the top four? Well, I, I would disagree with you in saying that it was a collapse. A collapse, I think, would have been if they were so far ahead of everyone else in the top four That's, and yeah. they regressed to fifth and missed out. Like, I think that, I think that this was a challenge for them either way. And I think that this was 
not a regression regression to the mean for Leicester, but I think this was other teams around them finding their form. Like we're not having this conversation if Thomas Tuchel doesn't come in and replace Frank Lampard. And we're certainly not having this conversation if Liverpool basically didn't turn it around very last minute. It's, it's a game of extremely fine margins. And I think Leicester are on the unlucky side of that. Yes, they're lost to Newcastle. Yes, they're dropped points against Southampton. That was pretty, pretty big. But you could point to very equal results from either of those two teams that they're surrounded by now, too. So it's more so I think that it it has to be considered a successful season for Leicester. They won the FA Cup for the first time in their history. Like, that that is probably the second most important trophy they could have won the season. So there's no universe where you're talking about winning the second most important trophy and a season being a failure. I, but I do think that missing out on the champions league would leave them with a sore taste in their mouth in, in their mouth. I think it would be, the implications would be bigger if you're talking about Chelsea and Liverpool, but especially Chelsea in the champions league final, but for Leicester, they have, they have to look back and still be proud of what they accomplished, but know that this summer they will need quality additions. I would argue in at least three different positions. I would definitely say a young new center back. I'd arguably say, you might disagree with me on this, but maybe a right back. And I would probably say a new younger striker. Sorry, Vardy. <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah, they, they can definitely. I, yeah, I think it, it's not a failure, not a failure of the season, especially when you when you think about their trajectory over the last seven, eight years. Like to be in this position, um, where they really have kind of gate crashed this top six. They have, they genuinely have, uh, and to think about the fact that they'd be here when in the twenty fourteen fifteen season they were just clawing their way out of being relegated I mean obviously they won the league the next season and and since then they I know that league position wise they have not been necessarily that close but they have progressed as a club and they've become a a not just a mainstay but I really do think they're they're in the Premier League elite like that they're in that conversation for sure and by the way I meant left back not right back but yes like no one's replacing Ricardo Pereira but yeah (laughs) Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, yeah, that, that, that's um. I said, yeah. Look, we know that they make really smart decisions, uh, or they have in the last five to six years, especially with the transfer market, and I expect them to continue doing that this summer too. Even if they were to, let's say, lose an NDD or, or um, or Madison or or Telemans, whoever, I, I'm, I am very confident that they'll be able to replace, refill, and and probably end up making a profit on whoever they bring in too. So I, I, I think um, still a great season for Leicester, no matter how this ends. Uh, I think it's still, I think it's still a successful season. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. Rian, shall we move into the Premier League team of the year? I'm sure we'll be talking a lot about these results basically on sometime next week <laughs> at some point. Um, but we should, we should talk about the Premier League Team of the Year after a very, very brief break. So I may have 
accidentally spilled the beans to Rian, who I may or may not be including in part of my Premier League team of the year. Um, he is not happy, to say the least. <laughs> but Rian, let's let's talk about our probably not too early Premier League teams of the year at this point. I think we both are using a 4-3-3. It's pretty clear. Let's start most with goal- balance. Yeah, it's most most balance out there. Um, the heart. Shout out to Johan. Yeah, the the <laughs> <laughs> that's hysterical. R.I.P. But the we all right. Let's let's start with goalkeepers because center backs was I think the hardest thing for us. Like the rest is pretty subjective. The center backs are just almost impossible outside of Ruben Diaz. So, Rian, let's start with your Premier League team of the year goalkeeper i have a feeling there is going to be some bias involved in this but maybe you'll prove me wrong no no no. i I think i said last week that my goalkeeper is not going to be on a top six side you did say that that's true you did and that's because my goalkeeper is emmy martinez from aston villa who who Great choice. One after being fantastic last season for Arsenal um, throughout Burnt Leno's injury. And I mean, look, arguably we could say that he's right now a better, we would probably take him over Burnt Leno. Not a lot of, not that much shade to Burnt Leno, but really more about how good Emmy Martinez has been the last two years. Third in, in uh, clean sheets this season and third in post shot XG plus minus, which is, We've talked about this before. It's basically like XG, where XG is the pre-shot, or sorry, yeah, pre-shot pretty much kind of thing, where um, the, the XG is calculated through, you know, defenders, ball, um, pass height, shot height, all that stuff. Post-shot XG is purely on where the shot's placed. And that's, for goalkeepers, is a pretty good, pretty good indicator of you know, how good these saves are and, and how um or how difficult the saves are i should say and he's been fantastic again this season for uh for villa who were so poor defensively last season and it's been a complete 180 from them and he's been a big part of it elias would you like to reveal yours well first off i just want to say that that choice is fantastic um i <laughs> love emmy martinez i would love for him to start for argentina in the copa america the summer i don't think it'll happen but i would love if it would my pick is a player that really changed the way that this team played like i think was very core to the way that that this team kind of had a mid-year shift and normally i don't go off of mid-year form onward but I think this is a very unique exception. Rian, my goalkeeper for the year is Edward Mendy. I think <laughs> that he has absolutely proven himself to be a game changer in the buildup for, for Chelsea, for obviously a shot-stopping capability, which is not, I'll be honest, it's not world-class. I don't think we're talking about uh, yeah, I agree. like at the level of Oblak, Courtois, Terstegen, that sort of thing. You're not... He's not there, but what he offers Chelsea is a confident outlet in the back and this sense of solidity that I think was really defined when he came in and cemented himself almost immediately in Thomas Tuchel's mind. And to do that and have the confidence to play with the ball at your feet, which is something that 
a Keppa should be doing, but I don't think his teammates really trusted him with and <laughs> to distribute to wing pack positions that basically have very little space. Like that's a hard skill set, and it made counterattacks and it made half space build up for Chelsea, I think so much quicker. And that is a large part of, I think why they're so successful in the second half of the season. So Mendy for not just his shot stopping capability, but his his distribution all around performance and just proving to be an outlet in the back. Shout out to Edward Mendy. Yeah, and, and you could see how the confidence in Chelsea's defenders changed immediately, like in his first couple games. In, um, and and to be fair to Kepa, I think he's been I think Kepa has been um, good in his appearances during the second half of the season, and and really hoping for the best with him, especially mentally, but. Uh, no, Mendy's been, yeah, I think everything that that back line needed. And then, like Ellie says, the, the distribution has, has been the real surprise. And that's mostly because I, I don't think either of us knew him very much before coming into the, to the Premier League. We'll but, be honest. We can be um, honest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but his passing, that has been, I think, a, a legit pleasant surprise um, over, the, over the last uh few weeks especially as Ellie sent me a clip just I think a day or two ago of um of Mendy's distribution uh so yeah it's, it's been yeah everything everything that you could ask for there I think it, compared to the struggles that that Chelsea keeper <laughs> Kepa was having um last season and beginning of this one so shall we move on to the rest of the back line Elise? let's Rian I have this, I have a confession time, though I have a confession before you say yeah. anything I went with three fullbacks and one center back. I could, it's too hard to choose a second center back. I can't. Oh my do god! It. I can't do so, it. So you're so you're not doing a four three three. I'm I'm doing I'm doing no you, no you have <laughs> you either you're either changing your formation completely or fine 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 you fine. have to choose a center second center back. Fine fine I'll choose. I'll talk, I told you we can talk we can talk through this. All part. right, go with your fullbacks. Let's start at right back. Actually, start with left back. Let's start with left, left back? back and then go to and go to right back. All right, my left back, I'm going with Luke Shaw, who has had the best season of his career by a lot and has been Manchester United's probably best attacking outlet on the left side. I know that Marcus Marcus is a bit more of a, Marcus Rashford is a bit more of like an inside forward, honestly. Like he, he likes to drift inside a lot, so... In terms of like providing width, attacking width, and providing service from that left side, Luke Shaw's been awesome. He's first in shot creating actions per 90 and first in key passes per 90. He's fourth in expected assists per 90. And he's fifth in dribble in dribble success percentage. So um among those are all among fullbacks, by the way. So his attacking side's been just so so crucial for um for united what he's been able to do on the left side especially carrying the ball and and like i said creating chances it's also the defensive side that has been improved for him i'm not gonna come out and say that he's a great defender um because i think there are i think that there are still times where you can kind of point to him when there are attacks coming from that left side and and whatnot but Sixth in block passes 
per 90 and fourth in um, successful pressure, successful pressure percentages. So basically just presses and actually being able to win the ball or force, force the um, opposition to create a turnover or something like that. He's, he's been, I think, improved on the defensive side and overall he's been fantastic and he's put himself into the position where he is, he has to be the starting left back for, for England, I think, if, if they're playing a back four, I should say. So this was tough for me. Actually, I'm going to be honest. It was tougher than right back, in my opinion. Um, I'm not going to go with Luke Shaw, but my second choice was Luke Shaw. I'm going to go with Luca Digne. I think that it's a, it's a very questionable and subjective decision to, to choose him, but the, I'll, I'll put it into perspective. Luca Digne has seven assists on the season after being out for a very long extended period of time with an injury, which is still tied for, I believe, seventh as well. Guess how many assists Trent Alexander-Arnold has this season as well? Seven. Yeah. So a player that's been out for months, just came back into the team, and still has the same number of assists as the uh, player that we rank as number one in most fullback attacking categories, that to me is a pretty outstanding feat. And when he's on the field for Everton, you see how well he gets in behind into basically the space behind, I would say the 18 yard box on, on the attacking flank. Uh, He's so good at reading those runs, especially as balls are played from Dominic Calvert-Lewin from deep. And then God forbid he has to play balls into Richarlison because Richarlison's form has just slowly but steadily been like a falling stock. It's, it hasn't been pretty, unfortunately, but at the same time, he is kind of a well, actually a poorly oiled engine that works well when it's oiled. <laughs> if that makes <laughs> any sense as an analogy, that's, that's my choice for, for left back this season. No, I like, I, I like it. I like it. Dini got the call up to France's uh, Euro squad too. So big yep. congrats to him there. So did uh, someone else, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but no, it's, it's a good one. Dean is sitting first in goal creating actions per 90 in terms of full, for fullbacks. He's uh, third in expected assists per 90. And then he's fifth in cross completed crosses into the penalty area. So it, he's had a great season again. He's, he's been one of Everton's best attacking outlets in the season again it's yeah like you said seven assists and equaling his total from last season and if he was able to if he didn't suffer that ankle injury he could have been double digits possibly so for sure for sure he easily probably could have gotten close to harry kane's uh assist tally i believe 13 so yeah agreed agreed so rian the ever continuing right back debate between england's <laughs> top right backs who you got this is so difficult. <laughs> this is like, um, so I, I ended up going with Reese James. Yeah, I ended up going with Reese James. Mm, no over, bias, over of course, Trent, of course. Over over Trent and look, I will still say Trent is still the best attacking fullback in Europe. Like, I mean, I, I still can't see anyone that touches him right now. Like, 
he sat first first in terms of shot creating acts or second in terms of shot creating actions per 90 first in expected assists per 90 second in key passes first in passing to the penalty area first in progressive passes per 90 and fifth in, in terms of carries into the penalty area he's fucking unreal <laughs> as an attacker for, from the fullback position right um the thing is there are two sides to the game unfortunately uh, and as great as trent has been um attacking wise again we saw the defensive flaws um throughout the season really and not even necessarily saying in terms of one-on-one which which again he's not great at either obviously but in terms of the spaces that he's left in terms of how he closes out some play um attackers like i'm thinking to the mason mount goal uh against liverpool at anfield where there was a chance for Trent to just close out the ball, close Mason Mount in a in more hurried or just say urgent fashion, and, and he couldn't quite get to the positions in a, quick enough to stop the shot. That's where I give Reese James a huge advantage uh, defensively. We've seen we've seen how good he is, especially in physical matchups and. Generally, his positioning, I think, especially since Tuchel has come in, has gotten better, has gotten a lot better, too, defensively. On top of all of that, though, his attacking numbers are actually not far off from Trent at all. He's third in shot-creating actions per 90. He's first in completed dribbles. Sorry, completed dribble, completed successful dribbles, like, percentage. Um, Second in terms of carries into the penalty area and second in complete across into the penalty area fourth and passes into the penalty area and again on the defensive side he's seventh in terms, in terms of fullbacks in um in blocked passes so that's where i just give the the edge to reese james and it's we're talking fine margins here but if we're talking about the uh, a team that that has to do both sides inter- attacking and defending i that's where i'm going to give reese the uh the edge here wow that was a very very well put argument that i cannot <laughs> cannot push back that much on because <laughs> i was <laughs> between not reese and trent but reese and Zhao cancelo another great yeah i could not decide whether everything you said about reese's I guess, defensive capabilities compared to, you know, Jao Cancelo's consistency was better or more valuable. Ultimately, I think for the purpose of the right back, the right back position, I'm going to go with Reese James as well. But if you're talking about all around versatility for right back right wing back slash right mid slash left mid sometimes that has to go to Zhao Cancelo which is why it's not necessarily a fair comparison between the two but if you're talking strictly in terms of right back I think Reese James probably has been one of my favorite players to see grow into the season especially under Thomas Tuchel I think his 
just his raw talent and his raw strength and, and speed to bully people off the ball is really, really useful. Even though it's like him and Conte do like a similar job in taking the ball off people. Like they use their body super well, but they're built so differently. So I, I think he's an extremely smart player. I'm not even go over every stat that you mentioned because you basically stole like half my notes. But yeah, <laughs> that's the, the, uh, Reese James is my right back player of the year, like TLDR. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, look, Cancel is a great shout too. I, I think in the end, I, I had four guys who really realistically I would have um, given a nod to in terms of either fullback position uh, it was like Shaw, Cancelo, James and Trent Alexander-Arnold I was like those are really the four those are like the four best yeah. fullbacks in the league right now um and Cancelo has been fantastic this season too he's sits fifth in shot creating actions per 90 second in expected assists per 90 he's been so good in terms of like progressing the ball forward for city from either side because like you said with his versatility he can play right or left back honestly and um he's been great for city like second and second in um fullbacks in terms of uh progressive carries as well so look i don't think you can go wrong with that with any (laughs) of those three as a possible choice for this uh right back spot but yeah it's a shame that that, um kyle walker doesn't really get as much love but yeah, it's it's he's a tricky one, right? Because when City play with the back three, he usually is that right center back, right? right. And, and he he's got the a very similar like versatility, right? But um, he doesn't he he's not not quite the same, I think, in terms of his top speed anymore. I, I think he's still extremely fast, and he handled um, killing Mbappe in that in that uh, semifinal tie, but. Yeah, he's a, he's it, it's a tough one with him. He's still a great player. He's still someone who probably should be England in in, in the England squad, or sorry, in the England starting lineup, especially if they're playing with a if they're playing with a back three. He definitely, sh- I feel like, he should be that right sided center back. But um, for sure. But yeah, no, he's had a great season anyway too. So yeah, well, wow, the tough one, Elias. Oh, all right. I guess we have limited time left, so I'll make it very quick. Ruben Diaz, I think, is very clearly center back. Yeah, for yes, yes. both of us. That's not, <laughs> that's not, yeah, that's fine. I don't even think we need to explain that. Number one center back in the Prem in the last four months easily. Um, is there anything else that we really need to say about that? I I, I feel like that's a yeah. I mean, clear. he's he's shown. I mean, we know how good he's been defensively, but even on the attacking side, he's he's eighth in the league overall in terms of progressive ball carries, and then first in terms of the total distance carried with the ball this season. So he yeah. he's he's really just been exactly what City needed. So yeah, essentially, essentially. Um, a tough now, okay pick. okay for the okay. second center back so, all right so, you ready you ready i was gonna say have a i still i want you to go last because i can't okay. give you as much time i i okay go i ahead. Go ahead. i went so i went with john stones and in the end it was it was it was so hard i was i was really trying to think between him um i think tiago silva has a great shout but then also wesley fofana has been fantastic for leicester this season so is Johnny um, Evans. Johnny Evans has been great too. Uh, I, th- I think Antonio Rudiger 
in terms no. of like a cult hero. In no. cult <laughs> He's in my cult team of the year. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I guess I guess you could make a shout for Antonio Ruger, but <laughs> just purely based for based on consistency, no, that, no. that cannot be. Uh, yeah, I mean he's been look, Rudiger's been great over the last I think um couple couple months with with uh Sukul, but but there are a few guys who who I think have a better shout. Um, John Stones, yeah, that's that's my pick. First in terms of long pass completion percentage for center backs, and first in final third, like attacking third entry passes among center backs as well so um yeah i think I'm, I'm going with him also even weirder he's first on on manchester city in terms of like xg on off splits which is like <laughs> which i saw i was like i i was looking it up to confirm that it was ruben diaz but it's not it's yeah. uh it's john yeah. Stones. <laughs> so you really you want my choice i do of course mine is tiago silva Mine is actually, it was tough. I was between Johnny Evans, John Stones, and Tiago Silva. I think Fofana would have been a good shout, but it's hard to overcome just some of the games that Lester have in some ways thrown away. Tiago Silva for me, not because of almost his defensive capabilities, but his experience, I think, showed through really, really well this season. Like he, he is been almost a focal point i feel like especially for christensen when he like when tiago silva's not on the field like there's there's an element of aura about the the level of experience and leadership he brings to the team that was not there in prior capacities like it reminds me of just almost in some ways like pseudo john uh, john terry not again because of his playing capabilities but purely because of just his presence on the field like you felt more comfortable and more secure in the back and you also felt like you had someone to tell you where to go whether that be on set pieces or understand just where to be in defensive situations and that is one of the most important skills of center back um and and i think that's hard to come by john stones would have been probably a, a good shout for just in terms of his performance getting back to the levels at least close to the levels that he had two years ago but Tiago Silva for me, because of the impact on the team, is probably going to be my choice. So that's the second one. Rian, we're done with center backs. We're done. Oh my God. <laughs> I just so hard. before we, I was going to say, I had on my sheet here, I had Diaz and Silva in, crossed out. And then Stones. <laughs> like, I, 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 those were the two I was, I was wrestling with. But yes, let's, uh, let's move on to the midfield. Thank God. All right. Midfield. Do you want to go? Do you want to do total yeah. of each each position let's start let's start the, this the is biggest, so hard <laughs> this one is super this the one position one out of these three for me i i think two of the names are locks are complete locks for me okay who are the, who are the two say, names that are locks it's kevin de bruyne and bruno fernandez locks de bruyne, i'm the podcast i'm leaving the pod that's it no that was ridiculous <laughs> no 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 i'm not here for locks it. Like, you can't deny Bruno this season. Third in the league in goals, sixth in XG, second in assists, first in expected assists, first in goal creating actions. That's that's in the league from a midfielder. I mean, like quotation marks midfielder, whatever. But like from from a non striker position, 
And throw on top of that, he's third in terms of midfielders in progressive passes per 90 and final th- and final third presses. So the guy's been fantastic. <laughs> Say whatever you want about him. He's been fantastic. And then De Bruyne, you know, just another very ho-hum year where he's first in shot creating actions, first in goal creating actions, first in assists, <laughs> first in second assists, first in passes into the penalty area. <laughs> just just a normal season, you know, just an average season for him. <laughs> I mean, he has been at that level for the last two years. So my lock is Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah, that's like, let's be honest. That's super, super straightforward. My other lock is Mason Mount. I, I don't know why I'm going with a purely like Chelsea 11 at this point, but it, it is yeah. without yeah. a doubt. Go, go no, Mason Mount has made this Chelsea team realize how important a number eight is. Dear God, that team needed a number eight, a ball carrying number eight. That was not Conte that sat in front of the, the back four. Mason Mount has come to this team and provided a level of service for Timo Werner that borders on criminal to the point <laughs> that Timo Werner has not followed through with some of these chances. So I, I just think his performance at such a young age is really, really telling. We saw it, especially in the Champions League semifinal in Madrid. We saw it basically in some capacity in the FA Cup final. But more or less, we've seen it consistently since Thomas Tuchel has come into this team. He's given him freedom. He's given him complete free reign over that midfield space, especially in the number eight position. It's really, really bolstered his his levels. I mean, I, I know that the stats themselves may not speak for them. I know his goal tally oh. would certainly speak for them in terms of the last four months, but I... This thing is, if I use that argument now, they it's going to come back up. to... No, no, no. It's going to come back no, no, to bite they, me with Bruno Fernandez. That's why I'm not <laughs> using it. <laughs> but I was going to say, no, let's back it up, too. Like I, I'm happy that you said it and not me because, <laughs> <laughs> because I, like I said, those, for me, I think De Bruyne and Bruno were locks. But I was going to say, too, is like, gosh, like next, like, Mount is coming for them, basically. Yeah. Like he's he's yeah. on their heels. Um, second in shot creating actions, he's like it just it's it's crazy. He's fourth in expected assists. He is in the top five. I think I, I'm like flipping through notes here. He's <laughs> fifth in, fifth in, in passing to the penalty area. He's fifth in in progressive passes per ninety. He's been unbelievable, just unbelievable. And and I think especially you've seen it the last couple games like the he has that weird like cliche that they love to say in these games or take it take the game by the scruff of the neck (laughs) that these Englishmen love saying he he (laughs) genuinely that's I mean I think in this second Leicester game and you can say in the FA Cup final too because like in the end he he, an unbelievable save from Casper Schmeichel um keeps that game from going into into extra time but even in this um game against Leicester, second game against Leicester. I know he doesn't get a goal or assist, but he was everywhere and he did everything. Uh, I think he ended up with like nine shot creating actions during that game. So it's like, it's, yeah, he, he's, he's coming for them. That's all I'll say. Do um, you, so no, that's fair. I, yeah, yeah. I, I was going to ask a question about a completely different player, but no, say I, I'm, I, I'm in. okay. I'm do all you, ears. Do, 
so my my midfield three is Mason Mount, Kevin De Bruyne, and Riyad Mahrez. But I don't know if we're considering Riyad Mahrez a right midfielder or a right winger. Uh, I I I can I, yeah I consider him a. a... See, well, I, think, I, I mean, like what's your people... what's your four? I'm so confused by your formation. It's, it's four three three. <laughs> Let's be very sense. clear. Let's Mahrez be very has never clear. Never been a center mid. So like... no, I know, but he's been a right handed or right sided midfielder. So... And what's it like two in the middle one random dude it's just a, on the it's, right it's, it's a circle it's a circle in the middle <laughs> with three midfielders that's how i'm looking at it if you if you try and box it in by midfield like half space then that limits the number of people well, i'm not i'm just I, i'm boxing in by actual center mids <laughs> oh yeah well it's not Rian Mara's then because my other my other shout was going to be in Didi for for that position um not Bruno Fernandez because <laughs> it was either it was either in Didi or Phil Foden honestly but it okay yeah. well, <laughs> it's not I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm saying super confused of what this what this lineup is there in in the context of a four three three where any of the midfield three can be midfielders we're really stretching the better imagine- midfielders again center midfielders fine, fine. <laughs> not. That's not how I looked at it, but whatever. <laughs> I, like, I would not consider Kevin De Bruyne a pure center midfielder. I would consider him a central attacking midfielder. Is that the okay? Same? Which, which, which I look. Yeah, that's, I don't that's know. What, yeah, no. I think I think I think that is where we can blur the lines. But, <laughs> but like, but in terms of taking a not even just a right midfielder, a right winger. Yeah, right winger. And, and, <laughs> it's, like, I'm telling you, it's like fantasy your, Premier League. All right, whatever. You could have put him in your in your front three if you wanted to. I, but. I, I didn't for good reason. I'll explain in a second. But okay. my other choice is going to be Ndidi for more value to Leicester than, he, mm. than like overall impact. Because I think Phil Foden has had higher heights over this last five months, I would say. But it hasn't been consistent. Whereas Ndidi outside of injuries, <clears throat> excuse me, especially outside of injury has shown that he is, would you say Lester's best player? I, I think that's, I think that's pretty fair to say. Yeah. yeah. I think, um, look, I going through like these stats and uh, like for, for this midfield, I was like, I wanted to choose one defensive mid that was, I wanted to choose, want to want to give a little um, props to, the defensive midfielder so it was hilarious so, so conte versus Ndidi, basically yeah it was like it was hilarious <laughs> looking at this it was like almost every single defensive stat they're like one of the top three or four. Oh my it's god like ridiculous it's ridiculous but yeah. in the end yeah i go with conte who fair fair first in interceptions second in second in tackles second in um tackle win percentage versus dribbles second in passes blocked per 90 <laughs> but, but between him and Ndidi uh if you combine passes blocked interceptions and tackles per 90 it's Wilfred Ndidi at 8.69 it's N'Golo Conte at 8.68 and then the next closest is Fred at 7.27 oh dear god <laughs> it's, like, it's like it's like these two and no one else I'm i mean it's, it's it's they're unbelievable they're unbelievable 
Yeah, I mean, those are probably the two most obvious choices. Of course, Phil Foden for uh, for that other spot, because apparently we're just blurring the lines of what a center mid means. You know, I'm not mad. But <laughs> on on the point of Conte, the only reason I did not give it to Conte is that I think that when at the beginning of the season, he did not start the season well. I think that he was lacking. I it, It's not, it wasn't energy or anything like that. I think he was lacking success from the formation around him like i think that he was almost in some way set up to fail but we don't we didn't realize that until thomas Tuchel came in and rejuvenated that position and gave him and mason mount a kind of free reign and anchored more so Jorginho, kovacic right those players yeah. so i think it's more it's more about just the start of the season not reflecting that as much and and dd's i think been a little more consistent over that so yeah, I think at the times he felt like Conte was maybe a bit isolated. Um, yeah, exactly, in, in exactly, position. and that wasn't his First fault, half. and that yeah. wasn't his fault. But Rian, attackers, we've uh, we have definitely spent so much time <laughs> debating at just attacking performances, especially from the beginning of the year when seemingly Hungman Son and Harry Kane were on absolute just fire. I mean, they still are in some sense, right? Yeah, they're <laughs> still top three in the assist charts right <laughs> obviously top with hurricane and in goals for the season who who is your let's start with striker mm-hmm. striker i think for me i think two of these three four positions are a lock as well but starting with striker it's harry kane it's yep. it's the leading goal scorer and also i think he's is still leading in assists as well um he is the, the guy who along with hung son committed or sorry contributed contributing 70 percent of, of the goal contributions <laughs> for this team like it, it uh, the team how dare you forget about gareth bale terribly <laughs> for like yeah, for like two and a half weeks yeah <laughs> that was like, he had his moment there yeah um but harry kane uh, an unbelievable, like just outrageous season, really. And considering how much he had to do on his own, like he had to something being the supplier and the goal getter. So for me, it's it's Kane. I don't think there really is anything we need to say about Harry Kane. Top scorer, top assist. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that that should be about sufficient to yeah. get you the top striker <laughs> position if you fulfill those categories i mean he is tied for goals with Bosala, who by the way is my can i say right wing is that yeah. okay no, is that yeah, okay yeah. with you yeah that position I mean, okay, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. all right <laughs> and i'm going with harry or uh with Mosala as my right winger because i think he's quietly extremely quietly had a good season yeah in what seemingly is an average liverpool season and that's what's really frustrating is that I think that if Liverpool were a lock for top four a while ago, we are not questioning the season. Excuse me, the season that Mo Salah has had. He has been a standout at times when this team has just looked abysmal, especially between January and March. He was really the only one that was carrying them forward. And at the same time, took a lot of the blame. You know, he took a lot of the blame for the way this yeah, team performed. Made no which sense. Was not no fair. Sense. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. So Mo Salah is my other pick. Was that your other lock? No. So my 
Um, I actually I want to stay on the Sala on the mm. Sala thing here because for me, it came down to him or Jack Grealish. And I gave Gre- Grealish the nod in the end here because the guy's been fantastic. But but to stay on the Sala point, actually, like, he's tied for goals, like you said, tied for leading goals. And he's been Liverpool's most consistent player. Like even throughout that time where they were where they felt like they couldn't buy a goal, right? He was the only guy who was finishing the difficult chances. Yeah. Um, when they when they were having trouble creating chances and creating good chances in general. So he was a guy finishing them and um and that's he still has the one thing that no one else in that team has, which is just like kind of these random brilliant strikes. Uh, so the, he, he's had a wonderful season in what has had to have been like the hardest of his of his career. Well, at least the hardest of no, his for sure. career. Yeah, I, I, I definitely feel for him um, outside of his whole Chelsea issue. <laughs> probably right, that, right. that probably was a little <laughs> more difficult. But yeah, I, I think that Mosala deserves it. Still tied for leading goal score might win. The, the right, when the golden boot, boot again he, yeah he really might so we we don't know and in all likelihood he would probably score this weekend but but Grealish sorry yes Grealish I was gonna say was you forgot other, about was, that yeah um yeah I, I ended up giving it to Grealish because oh what after all of that <laughs> no no well yeah I said I said <laughs> no I was I wanted to give Mo his flowers too I was it was between him and uh and Mo Salah or Grealish and Mo Salah for me and I ended up giving the nod to Jack Grealish because another guy who has had to be so almost similar to Harry Kane maybe not in the goal scoring sense but in terms of chance creation and in terms of the entire attack running through one man which is Jack Grealish. You watch these Aston Villa games. As soon as they like win the ball in their own penalty area or like, in their in their own um, defensive third, the first out pass is to the left to Jack Grealish. And it's like every time, and he's got to progress the ball forward, which he's been fan fucking tastic at. Obviously, um, he, he sits there. First in progressive carries in the in the league, sitting at twelve per game, and first in terms of expected assists for forwards as well. So his, like I said, trans creation is just been on another level this season, and um, he's put himself in a position where he has to has to has to be on the England squad, and. I, I think he's going to be such a difference maker in that tournament. Like he might not start. I think it's very possible he doesn't start for the, for the team, but you talk about a guy who can come on after 60 minutes when the defense is tired and you need a goal and someone who's going to run defenders ragged and at the same time, draw a lot of fouls too. Like he's, he's really like, it's been so impressive this season. So. No, that's fair. That's fair. I, I just, I always favor consistency over, I guess, moments or spurts that kind of speak louder in, in our heads or kind of create a recency bias probably with a little bit with it. His injury yeah. did I not, mean, it's not, it's yeah, not, it's not recency injury. bias. It, I, yeah. It's not at all. I mean, 
at the beginning of the season, we were genuinely talking about him for player of the year for a very good reason. But it's hard to overcome the impact that, in my opinion, Mosal has had on this Liverpool team at a time in, I don't want to call it a crisis, but at a low point. No, I, I think crisis is, I mean, they, <laughs> they didn't score. At, they lost like yeah. five straight home <laughs> matches. I think, I think they had like a, a bit mini of a crisis. crisis for, yeah, for about a month there. Yeah, versus, yeah, the injury I think was, if honestly, if he was not injured, I think we're having a different conversation. Genuinely, I think we're having yeah. a completely different conversation. Yeah. But the fact that it, the sample size is only from the first half of the season, Mo Salah, you get it from me. Uh, I respect that. I respect that. I'm a, you know, I love a good, uh, a good <laughs> sample size. So <laughs> true, true, true. A healthy sample size. A healthy one. Rian, last position before we wrap up. Right. Last wing. one. Last one. Uh, so can I, so here's can I where put I, strikers at right wing? Is that acceptable? So, so this is what I was going to say. Like this it's just three, four. I just went three forwards. Oh, so this is where we bend the rules. Okay, good to know. Good right. to well, know. again, I, I didn't uh-huh. say I didn't say that I put Ben Chilwell in here. <laughs> like so, so a bit different than what he did with, with the center base. <laughs> but um, no, that my my other attacker here is Hungman Son, who like I said, has had a very similar impact to Harry Kane. Um, he's had a career year: seventeen goals, ten assists. And just you know, at, at times this season, like the efficiency with his finishing is just was unreal. I, I think it's tapered off a bit in the last um, in parts of the second half here, but still talking about a guy who has an XD of ten and scored seventeen goals. Like that's an amazing return. Um, and like I, I can't believe he's twenty eight. By the way, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's crazy he's gonna look like he's gonna look like he's 22 for like, the next <laughs> for very decade of his life <laughs> at least so um now a great season from son and like he, he it's it's unfortunate the way that the season kind of just completely fell off a cliff for them because oh, for sure um he and harry kane definitely deserve more praise for this season than um deserved plays in the they'll probably end up getting yeah yeah no. Well, Rian, that's a good choice, but it's actually not who I chose for right wing. <laughs> Probably not even to your surprise at this point, but I do have a good reason for it. My forward, okay, not necessarily right winger, my forward is actually Patrick Bamford. He's only oh, one nice. goal off Hungman Son and only three assists off Hungman Son as well, quietly having an incredible first season for a team that's coming back up from promotion for the first time in like 20 years leading or at least tied for fourth, I believe in goals uh, in, in the Premier League this season for a player that is not used to playing at this level yet. Keyword yet. He has been so consistent for leads even though I would argue some of his goals have come at times that really weren't crucial for Leeds. Like if that makes sense, they haven't exactly been winners, game winners or anything like right. that. They've, they might've been goals when they're down three nil. And then he's like <laughs> those sort of things. But what that means is that the skill set is there in my opinion, at least to not only finish and continue to basically 
keep leads at <laughs> potentially a Europa League qualifying team next season, but also yeah. services teammates in what I think will be a massive, not massive summer for leads as they use some of their Premier League money to, um, to generate some, some nice purchases. I don't know what yeah. those purchases will, will be because we're just starting to transfer rumor, but I think that yeah, Patrick Bamford just season. deserves a lot more praise. Oh, yeah. Um, 16, like you said, 16 goals, but also fourth in expected goals this yep. season too. So yep. he, he's hit, he's actually hit almost exactly um, goals to <laughs> XG, 16 goals, 16.3 XG. So he's, he's been exactly like what they would have needed, I think, um, out of him. And yeah, we'll see what happens in the summer, but fantastic for him. Unfortunately, I don't think he's going to get picked for the England squad. I think he's got a good shout, a really good shout to, to be picked into the squad, especially now that it's been expanded. Um, but yeah, but, uh, no, it's, it's, I like that pick. I like that pick a lot. Well, Rian, with that, we've been rambling about team of the year for forever, but it's what the people need to hear from our absolutely expert opinions from a Barcelona and a Chelsea fan. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. We will be back after this crazy weekend of games where James Lee spots for Italy and for England still need to be decided. And then, oh, by the way, the winners of La Liga and Liga still need to be decided. My body's not ready. Man, That's all. If you get anything close to what those last 15 minutes were in, in um, Spain last last week. And if we get anything close like that to yep. this weekend, I, I think Elise is going to have an aneurysm. So. Oh, I'm yeah, oh, please. No, please. <laughs> oh God. I couldn't, I already told you real Madrid are winning the league. So anyway, <laughs> I don't care that Atletico are playing well in the lead anyway. All right. Thanks everyone. Thanks guys. Thank you.